I just casually looked towards the canal and uh, I saw what I thought was a mannequin. August 2nd, 1998, the body of a brilliant young scientist is found dead near the campus of Georgetown University. It was a gruesome scene. Walking up to the body, um, it became apparent that there had been a sexual assault. For more than six years, D.C. police had no leads and no suspects. Then, another disturbing discovery. She wasn't his only victim. As these cases went on, the more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. One man committing a series of heinous crimes against women, but then he just stops. Ten years go by, then 20. What would it take to finally crack the case wide open? I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series, available October 4th on all podcast platforms. A lot of people thinking these days about the relationship between the gut microbiome and immunity. In fact, Jonathan Jacobs, a physician at UCLA, says the microbiome and the immune system are critically intertwined. This means what you eat can affect the biome, and that might affect immune function. Now, not easy to eat all the right things all the time, so think about trying Biome Breakthrough daily. Biome Breakthrough contains powerful probiotics and prebiotics. You need need the prebiotic to use the probiotic, as well as a -a one-of-a-kind ingredient called IGY Max. IGY Max is a patented egg-based protein that enhances the gut well-being, reverses damages caused by antibiotics, and helps hopefully with immune function. Some have said that IGY Max is a very powerful immune nutrient and it is in every serving of Biome Breakthrough. By taking Biome Breakthrough daily, you could eliminate the bacteria that's causing problem and helpfully enhance the the biome, the health of the biome, and then affect immune function. What are you waiting for? Power up your immunity by trying Biome Breakthrough risk-free at biomebreakthrough.com slash Drew. Use Dr. Drew 10 to receive 10% off any order. You have a 365-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked. That is biome, B-I-O-M-E, biomebreakthrough.com slash Drew. You guys go yes all right welcome to dr podcast we appreciate y'all being here as always and keeping uh, the winds and the sails of the corolla pirate ship supporting people to support us so we can keep doing this thing we like doing it and today no exception art kleinschmidt and the honorable katie sullivan judge katie sullivan you have i believe i've talked to katie here before definitely i've talked to art here before Gart, art was the former deputy director white house office of national drug control policy Senior Advisor, Domestic Policy Council, and White House Office of National Drug Control. Uh, Dr. Arthur Kleinschmidt has over 19 or probably close to 20 years of sobriety. Uh, He has lots of training, lots of experience clinically. Judge Katie, also 20 years sobriety, and she has been a leader in using the legal system and a compassionate approach to making recovery a reality for those entangled in the judicial system. We will talk a little bit about that, and we will talk more about Recovery for America. The website is recoveryforamerica.org. Welcome, you guys. Good to see you guys. Hey, hey Dr. Drew. good to How see you. Doing? you. Thanks for being it, it's, on. It's, it has been a little while, and start with the, the program, and you, you and I, the three of us, have something coming up in Florida and uh, as we say at your mom's house, you bet I'll be coming up in May, which is just a way of saying I'll be there. Just don't ask why. And so go ahead. What's going on for, with Recovery for America? 
So we're really excited. The Recovery for America Now Foundation, we launched uh, almost a year ago now, and the whole purpose behind it is to provide access to long-term continuum of care for people who need it. So as you know, um, as Art has experienced in his clinical uh, life, as I experienced in my drug court, you know, insurance, Medicaid, and sometimes absolutely no resources means people either get no treatment or it's a 20-day sobriety. And then, and sometimes that forced sobriety is jail, as we know. People are then released back into the exact same situation with no new skills, no new tools, uh, no structure, no nothing. And so what we want to do, what we are doing is is providing scholarships to treatment centers to allow people to stay longer, to develop, you know, have family treatment, peer recovery, uh, jobs training, educate, give them uh, educational. We we used to, we used to just call that treatment. (laughs) Back in the day. I know Art knows too. He and I have shared, shed many a, a tear over this, but yeah, we, that used to be treatment done well, done properly. Right. It's interesting. I met with a friend of mine and I won't say who it is, uh, but she is doing a policy program at Georgetown and we had dinner the other night and she said that she's really excited to get in this policy space because she does not believe that treatment centers are actually being represented. So there's so much focus on harm reduction yeah. in the tre- in, in the government. And that's where the money's being pushed. That's where the policy is headed. We see the results of that. And she's just said they don't understand. They don't understand treatment. And well, I would go one step further and say they don't understand addiction and they don't understand treatment. And Art is nodding his head vigorously. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, they totally don't understand uh, addiction whatsoever. Uh, the way they're going about it with harm reduction, I mean, that used to be what we would call using or enabling. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So now it's almost like uh, the only reason. You know, and everybody who shows up on my caseload, by the time they got to a severe uh, substance use disorder, they've all tried to control their use, of course, right? Of course. So, I mean, that's that's part of the gambit. That's a lot why you see them, you know, all, a lot of the poly substance use. They're all looking to perfect and uh, control that use to ch- achieve what they think is the ultimate high at that point in time. And they've all gone through the gambit, just beer, going to multiple different liquor stores, so the you know, so the guy at the liquor store doesn't see him too often. And then they end mm. up getting sort of known at like five different liquor stores instead of just the one. But you see a lot of those sort of uh, attempts to control over and over again. So because yeah. of our time in the federal government, we saw this real move toward uh, harm reduction and we wanted to combat that issue and, you know, watching the devastation that's happening across this country due to drug and alcohol addiction, we want to make the, that, you know, like you said, what we understand to be treatment, the miracle of recovery, no one is too sick to recover. And we want to give that miracle of true recovery to as many people as possible. So we have, you know, figured out the logistics on how to do that. And thanks to your tremendous generosity, um, coming down and supporting our uh, fundraising event on October 7th in Palm Beach. 
that is turning out to be a real blockbuster. You are extremely popular. Good. And people are... <laughs> Good, because because this is, first of all, it's my sweet spot. And I can, as you know, I can stand up and talk for four hours about this stuff. So whatever you guys want me to do, whether it's spin plates or juggle and talk, whatever I'm happy to do. But 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 it's just right in my sweet spot. And, and, and I want to swing back around. In a second, I want you to talk about what people can do to support this thing if they're interested. But, but I want to swim back around and have a let's have try to have a balanced discussion about this this overwhelming. Uh, I'm going to shut my trap for a second. Tell people what they can do if they want to support this program. Okay, so let's get that. I don't want to say out of the way because I have so many questions for you actually good, about good. what's going on in California um, and art. I really want your input. So what you can do is go to recoveryforamerica.org, which is our website, uh, donate through the Night of Miracles and be a part of the miracle that of recovery. And so first we would ask for donations. Anybody who's in the Southern Florida area on October 7th, uh, there are tables to be bought, there are seats to be bought, but we really ask that everyone participated this time by donating to our charity. I do want your listeners to know that Art and I are upfronting all administrative costs for the uh, for the not-for-profit. And we'll continue to do that uh, for the next year or so. And we are, so what that means is none of the money is going to paying us, paying, you know, um, oh, I don't know, other people you need just to keep a not-for-profit moving. We are handling those costs. The costs of the fundraiser are coming out of our pocket because every single dollar that we raise is going to go to treatment and to treatment centers in order to further our goal. And so I do want your listeners to know that every dollar that they that they donate will 100 percent be going to um going to uh, treatment to the where, where do they go again one more time spell it out you go to recoveryforamericanow.org and there's a donate button and you just hit that donate yeah. button and you can donate to the cause and if you want to come to the event there's a special event code and you can give that way and we'll make sure you have a great seat and get to meet dr drew and what night is that that is october 7th in Palm Beach, and we are so lucky to have partners. Uh, we have a miracle sponsor, which is Deterra Systems, which I'd love to talk about for a second. And then uh, the Retreat Behavioral Health is yeah. where it's being held. They are incredible. This organization has just been unbelievable. They really put on events in uh, this Palm Beach area in order to give their, uh, their clientele an opportunity to serve. They have an amazing cook. They have a decorator. They have all this stuff. So we actually will be on site at a treatment center, but you won't feel that way. It is a night of miracles. Um, Let me ask some procedural stuff. When you, when somebody, well, what if you need treatment? What do you do if you want to be a, a, receive a scholarship from you guys? So you would go to our website and then we will have a list of uh, recovery for America now foundation partners and you would, because it's the treatment center, so our relationship is with them. You can then see who has our scholarship money, and then you can go to them and uh, and then utilize 
I mean, you have to meet criteria in order to to get our money. That's no different than any sort of grant program in the federal government. You have to meet basic minimum requirements. Um, long, you have to have long term. The treatment center needs to have a long term care continuum of care. Do you uh, go? Do you do you and Art go evaluate these programs? Where you're we sending have them? Yeah. Been, yeah. Right, right. I'm not gonna. Yeah, exactly. And we're working closely with other people in the field. I've been in the field for quite some time, so you know I have a good idea of the type of treatment that we kind of want to afford to people. Um, so yes. Uh, yeah, that's part of it. I also, what I call the back door, it's not necessarily sort of the back door, but I'm very interested in, and I used to tell my clients, the rubber hits the road when you leave treatment, right? It's, mm. uh, you could say and do the right things in treatment, what's going to happen when you leave? So I'm, I'm very, and you know, Katie, our organization is very mindful that we want to see treatment centers that actually support and have a a flourishing recovery community around the treatment center. We also want people to actually, you know, I, I work very hard. I, I say sober housing, but I work very hard to refer my clients to sober housing to have structured, maybe an attached outpatient to where you can kind of keep going and have accountability as you uh, maybe enter the job market after a long period of absence or sure. go into the job market for the first time. We want to really work to build like soft skills, recovery supports, uh, maybe pick up on a GED things like that. Maybe yeah, that's the stuff that a lot of programs leave off. You know, they, they right. get them sober and they go, go forth, <laughs> go into the world. And yeah, right. you don't here's, have a driver's license. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a driver's license. You don't know how to do a checking account. You don't know, you know, you don't have a job. I mean, you got to help people with that. Right. And sometimes people take that for granted. But what you just said is skills that a lot of them don't have. The checking yep. account, how to do that. Yep. You know, I've had them I've had them in the program, no ID. So, you know, then you're kind of sometimes you got to really build them up from, you know, ground level. Well, they may have been uh, using since they were 11 or 12. They, they may have right. missed all that developmental stuff. So that that's very, very common. But again, if somebody wants help, where do they go? I didn't quite catch it. Recovery. So you would go to our you go to our website, and yeah. then you can see the treatment centers that we partner with, yeah. and that we are granting scholarships to. And then, if you want to apply to those treatment centers, you know that that continuum of care is available. So but but really- I want to make I want to make it super clear to people. So if you need help, you you look for the list. You call that treatment center and say, "I want yes. I want I need help with from recovery for America now." At yes. the treatment center. Okay. You could say that we, we understand that you are recovery for America now. Okay. Uh, you, you receive scholarship money from them and, and I'm interested and I have these financial issues. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, and then Katie, you said you had a bunch of questions from me. Oh gosh. Yeah. And art and art, because we were, I said, I warned him though. So he's had time to think of his question. Okay. <laughs> So you have this horrific. She just warned me about two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, that's my. Word. Well, I was busy this morning. I was like, oh, and by the way, I'm going to ask you this, you know, life-defining <laughs> question. Get ready. So, okay, you have the disaster. Let's just say of open-air drug markets in uh, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. Los Angeles. This whole idea that, you know, oh, we'll take the sick stigma away and we'll actually taxpayer fund uh, people to sit and use. And if they you know, maybe want to have help, you know, we're here if they wanted to ask, which is ridiculous because yeah. if you're giving an, an addict drugs or their drug of choice and they're able to use it and open with zero consequences, 
then of course treatment is probably not, is not going to happen. Okay. It would be like as a judge in a drug court, if I told everyone, well, you can use, but I'd rather you didn't. (laughs) If you used, you had a jail sanction because there was accountability. Okay. Okay. So now everybody has said, oh my goodness. And I think it's because of that really fantastic organization, Mad Mothers, or Mm -hmm. I forgot exactly the name, the one that did the billboard and, you know, a lot of really negative press on this finally, um, after killing tons of people, but can you put the genie back in the bottle in California when you decriminalize drugs? There's no accountability. Why would these people leave the area? That's right. There's no accountability. And I was just talking to somebody, I did a, a uh, documentary called Beyond Homelessness with the uh, Salvation Army. And I was asking the woman that was the driving force behind that. I go, what? I'm getting so tired. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And she goes, don't give up, don't give up. And I go, but what is it with them? And she just snapped back at me and she said something profound and loud. She goes, it's a religion. It's a religion for them. It's a religion for these people that, that civil liberties, Uber Alice, that you're privileged to do whatever the F you want in all circumstances, even when your brain isn't working, save dementia, dementia that's the one we have to jump in but any other brain condition where your brain is not working you don't know what you're doing we we are not allowed to jump in and do anything here's the biggest problem i've been telling you about emergency medical flights and that the fact that comprehensive coverage doesn't cover it all necessarily you can get deductibles, co-pays, protect your family and your finances with an Air Medicare Network membership. If an emergency arises as a member, the expense of an Air Medical Transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Memberships cost as little as $85 a year, covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That is just pennies a day. We all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. For a limited time, as a Dr. Drew listener, you'll get up to a $75 e-gift card when you join. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use that offer code Drew. ZocDoc, a free app that shows you physicians, doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist, whether you're trying to straighten teeth, get back pain dealt with, dermatological problems. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride. Find and review local physicians, read verified patient reviews from real people who made real doctor visits. Uh, Now, when you walk into that physician's office, you are set to see someone who gets you and your insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com to find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. It is a go-to whenever you need to find and book a quality physician. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Drew. Download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That is Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Drew. The term, the, the notion of gravely disabled does not exist in California. You can't treat people who are gravely disabled. You can only treat people, and as you know well, for 72 hours, only treat people who are suicidal or homicidal. So problem number one is there's no such thing in the law as gravely disabled. Doctors can't do anything 
to help people that are gravely disabled, unless they have dementia, unless they have dementia, then we have to jump in, or you've abused that patient if you haven't helped that dementia patient, but the schizophrenic with the same symptoms, he's on his own, man, he's living his best life. The heroin addict, unconscious, living his best life, you're not allowed to touch. So that's number one, no gravely disabled. Number two, and this is actually the biggest problem, these assholes don't understand I say this with peace and love. These assholes don't understand (laughs) that uh, addiction. Susan, did you get that text from me? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) She's on her way out. I love it. (laughs) These assholes don't understand that in all conditions, even when there's a nurse injecting heroin, addiction is a progressive disease. It progresses. They are in abject total denial about the fact that even if I myself as a physician am hanging the IV uh, opioid and letting it run for, you know, however long the patient wants it, that person will get sicker and sicker and sicker and will die, period. They don't, are not willing to understand that under any condition. So those are the, the two biggest problems. Well, three. So it's the religion. It's no existence of gravely disabled and zero willingness to understand that these are progressive illnesses. Let me just flip over to major mental illness for a second. I know we're talking about addiction, but schizophrenia yeah. schizophrenia versus dementia to me is the most heartbreaking aspect of this religion that we have to deal with in California, which is that schizophrenics, if you intervene aggressively and thoroughly early, you can save their brain. Not only can you save their functionality, but schizophrenia untreated over time destroys the brain it used Mm -hmm. to be called dementia precox because over time they start to look demented because they get such severe brain problems from the uncontrolled symptomatology if you treat early and aggressive you literally preserve the brain you're not allowed to do it but a dementia patient with the same symptoms doesn't know where he is, psychotic, you know, maybe a frontotemporal dementia or, or a Lewy body dementia. And so you're psychotic, same exact symptoms. You have to treat early and aggressive, except it does not change the course of these diseases. Dementias are inexorable. We cannot change the course. Schizophrenia, we can change the course. And yet we're not allowed to touch those guys. We have to touch, we have to treat the dementia patients lest we be accused of elder abuse or abuse of the patients that, that uh, have this disease. Isn't this insane? It's, it's a level of insanity that I, I, I wake up every day and I think I just got to get out of here. I can't live with it. I have two more questions. Follow yeah. up. Do those, do those make sense? Do those make oh sense? Oh my too? gosh, completely. But you see how we get into this freaking mess, right? You see, you know, how, how this evolves. This is just one of several layers of trouble, but those are the two headlines for me, three headlines. So great. And you, okay. So I, so when I visited um, California, I did a sweep with the uh, police department, the sheriff's department, some of the courts, et cetera. And, you know, you're being respectful and nice, but with the terms asshole, (laughs) no, I just thought these people are completely screwed. I mean, they're screwed because they had decriminalized everything. Now now you're on to the next level. So the next level is you are at your liberty to use drugs and at your liberty to traffic drugs 
to a certain point, to a certain Correct. amount. And so that is why every drug addict in the country comes to California. Because okay. as you know, Art, man, back in your using days, if you knew California was on, would you <laughs> find a way yeah, there, wouldn't you? Right, exactly. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, because I looked at that when I saw the system, and that was before your district attorney in L.A., uh, had come in and even then made it worse. They, they had some uh, program where for low level issues, they were using um, like neighborhood, uh, like uh, neighborhood task forces kind of things. And they would put the person in front of the neighborhood task force and those people would decide what would happen. It was, I was like, is this an alternate universe? Like, do you, are you guys, seriously no. understand our criminal justice system crazy i guess for me i just i know it's an unpopular opinion but i will say there's a great intervention and that is called court and when yeah. people actually are afraid to come to court mm. or they come to court and then they are afraid of the consequences that can actually be a very effective intervention and i, I to lose that entirely so what do you think happens now? What happens in LA? What happens in San Francisco? What Apparently happens now? All, what? What happens now? You want to know what happens now? Yeah. Thousands of people die. That's yeah. what happens now. Thousands yeah. and thousands. And it's reckless. I don't know. Maybe you can give me the exact right legal term, but it seems like manslaughter, reckless negligence to me. Am I right? Yeah. Reckless disregard for human life. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Reckless disregard. I've been calling it murder for years. And, and people are like, oh, oh, how dare you? It, yeah, it's manslaughter. Is that manslaughter or murder? Which is it? it it's the same, right? It's the same. They're certainly consciously doing it. I, I, it's, it is disgusting what they're allowing to happen. On the streets of L.A. County alone, we go up by one death a day every year. So now we're at seven a day, I believe, six or seven. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. And now now here, though, is a more uh, nuanced kind of issue that, that I yeah. struggle with. So, you know, poor Art was in there fighting with the federal government, with the ONDCP and SAMHSA and their march. If you want to know how bad bureaucracy can be and how running to one side of the boat and then the other, look no further than COVID, everybody. Think how many people we harmed with that by not having a nuanced approach. That's how bureaucracies work. They're not designed to deal with medical problems. And yet, oh, by the way, in California, we have open air asylums. Not one nurse, not one doctor involved with the care of those people until they get to the ER. Not one. We're not allowed to. I tried to get on the committee that was uh, helping allocate resources to the L.A. County. I was summarily dismissed by the, uh, the L.A. board. No doctors. Think about that. It's, it's, a, it's a giant hospital on our streets with no doctors and no nurses. That's, it's insane. But anyway, so so – we, you know, when bureaucracies one run to one side of the boat or the other, it's harmful to humans, period. And so right now, ONDCP and SAMHSA are running towards harm avoidance. Now, harm avoidance is not all bad, right? We all agree with that. It has utility. Not only does it have utility, there's sort of you know, a middle ground where you can get people on harm avoidance strategies and then get them off those things. You know, there's there's but you have to work at it. You have to you have to it's it's hard work to get drug well, addicts off drugs. It's, even sometimes whether, it's a lot of ongoing coaching in that. Case, yeah, right? yeah, it's hard, but you need a team there of people, you know, on them. But anyway, so but so we're all would it be accurate to say we're all agreement that harm avoidance in and of itself is not bad. It's the it's the it's the excessive and in monolithic application of that as the one and only treatment for opioid use disorder, particularly. 
like I'll give you one example. Now they uh, just are like a real uh, example. Now they touted this as great success, great statistics. I might get the numbers a little bit off, but I'm going to be very close. Uh, the first safe injection site in New York. Now they touted that great, great. They they touted as a great success in like their first three weeks of business, having reversed 50 overdoses. Oh. Now. You know, like if that were a methadone clinic, that would be the yeah. most dangerous methadone clinic in the world. Yes. And then every time somebody overdoses, now here, here's the thing. I mean, you'll you'll know about all the uh, physical damage uh, that's done, but they're also psychologically actually deeper in their disease. Oh, you sure. Know, you know what I mean? So every subsequent use of that, they're actually going deeper down the disease. Well, let, let, really let me frame having- it for people. You and I know that shorthand. Let me frame it for people. When a drug addict survives a near-death experience, they've just now lowered their bottom because they'll do that again. They'll do that again. Yeah. The bottom is no, most people, the bottom is, hey, I almost died. But if you you survive that easily, that's no longer a bottom. That's no, no. Their ability to slough that off is amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. So they're actually contributing to the progression of the disease, just like you said. Instead of having this as a great success, to me, I looked at that as a disaster. But 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 get back to let's get back to the 150,000 people on the streets of Los Angeles. Many of those people are so they've allowed to become so deteriorated. And the the drugs are meth and opiates. That's that's what's on the streets, what everybody's doing. And the meth deteriorates the brain, right? You, You deteriorate with that. Um, I, I'm not sure anything other than some sort of half measure will work. They're so far gone. You know what I mean? I, I'm sort of more open to harm avoidance for a lot of the people on the street now because they just, they're so far gone. They're so far down the road that I, I, you can't, I don't know what we could do with them except literally, you know, corral them all and, and prevent them from accessing drugs, but that's not going to happen. You know well, what I mean? Families should sue the, the state and federal government who created the policies to allow this to go as far as it did. I mean, that's not a very libertarian uh, idea, if you will. But at the same time, you know, how in the world does it actually get this far? You're using illegal substances on a regular basis in open, you know, I, 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 you know, and, and now you're so far you, you families, I, that's what I think. Well, about we, the, the families family. have tried. Uh, we have gone up there with families to Sacramento, this capital of California, and begged for help. Families with resources and physicians and a place to put their loved one and the whole whole infrastructure. They're told to who the hell are you? Get out of here. Remind you again of my friend Jordan Harbinger. It's a podcast you should be definitely checking out. I've been telling you about it for a while wide range of topics, weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. We love Jordan. Adam and I have known him for a long time. Jordan, of course, himself, an attorney, speaks multiple languages, wildlife experience, and of course, there is something in his podcast for everyone. show covers stories like a professional art forger somehow made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia. Jordan has also done an episode all about birth control and how it can alter the partners we pick, that's right, being on or off the pill, can change our personality and our attractions. Covers a ton of material. I enjoy Jordan. You will, too. I want you to search The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever 
you listen to podcasts. It is The Jordan Harbinger Show. According to the EPA, indoor air could be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, a hundred times more. According to the 2020 report, nearly half population, almost 165 million people, are living in areas with unhealthy levels of ozone or air pollution. Nine out of ten people breathe air that exceeds the World Health Organization limits, and that air pollution is responsible for possibly as much as seven million deaths. We take about 20,000 breaths per day. That's almost 3,000 gallons of what can be problematic uh, air. The number one allergy trigger, of course, is the airborne allergens, such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, or it's really dust, dust mite feces. You want to gross out about that. And mold. Solution, we are introducing an air purifier that captured the attention of established media outlets, such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens, so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor uses an ultra-HEPA filter that's been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested bacteria and viruses. Allergens can vary in size, but the average pollen size is about 25 microns. Air Doctor virtually removes 100% of the particles as small as 0.003 microns. The Air Doctor 5000 purifier is powerful enough to circulate the air of a thousand or more square foot room four times per hour. Air Doctor comes with a no questions asked 30 day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Drew. And depending on the model, you can receive up to $300 off. You are saving up to $300. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O airdoctorpro.com and use that promo code Drew. Who do you think you are telling your son how to live? That's their attitude towards families who are suffering. Isn't that funny? I've always thought that the liber- like real libertarians, it's where really conservative and liberal ideas like meet, but for very different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, a liberal libertarian just says, you know, Everybody should be able to use drugs. There's no victims, which is ridiculous, you know, and if that's how you want to live your life, then you should be able to live it. Conservatives come at it from a very different perspective, typically, you know, uh, capital free capitalism or whatever. But um, it's I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that. I understand what you mean, that some people are just too far to go and you think of all the points of intervention that could have occurred yep. at all of these policies and different, you know, had they been in place, right? Had that so simple, seen, so simple, so simple. Yeah. Art has this brilliant thing that he says. And I just, I mean, I, it yeah, is, okay. it's brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you see how he gets nervous? Well, well not, but go ahead. Say what you Humility. Well, I, He's practicing his program. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's why I'm here. <laughs> oh. um, so, uh, but he has, um, he explains that the federal government only looks at one part of the disease. So go ahead. Well, no, I kind of said, and I said this before, they actually look at the mechanics of it. Uh, the thing they actually seem to have grasped on is uh, opioid and withdrawal. So they, yeah. but they don't see any of the other psychosocial right. stuff that's going right. on around it. And right. that they don't un- even understand the basic psychology of addiction. So yeah. you're saying how this problem got here. Mm. I would say the number one thing we need to do, if it's possible, can we quit promoting substance use? Uh, and we're doing that actively. 
uh, in New York City, they had the uh, pamphlet they hand out the safe way to do fentanyl. How mm. you could use fentanyl, just use smaller doses, use with another person. Posters mm. that say it's empowering. If you use fentanyl in smaller doses, you're going to actually, if you follow that recipe, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah, you will get uh, tolerant, then, tolerant, tolerant, and then stop yeah. breathing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's sort of how it's a recipe for death. Yeah. We're actually promoting it actively all over the place. And mm. especially like when, you, you know, I've had guys with schizophrenia in my office, you know, first episode psychosis. Uh, they uh, generally a lot of times uh, when they do, there's no place to send them post sort of treatment. And usually their substance use is not the, the schizophrenia is the more acute disorder, right. the more disruptive one. Yeah. Uh, and then when you start... And a lot of times they don't actually get into the uh, very hard substance uh, use until they're actually sort of released back on the street and they have like another breakdown. And especially with the methamphetamine, they're guaranteed mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. another psychosis. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the marijuana psychosis? Where where do you stand on that, Dr. Drew? Well, the, the problem with cannabis, I think people are slowly waking up to is that the the intensity of the product you know the the yeah. the concentration of what people are exposing getting exposed to has now changed really everything and people are starting to understand that plus once you get to dabbing you know this sort of meth yes. the meth version of cannabis yeah. yes you you are in trouble you are in trouble for sure right. and, and that's, that's where you see that's where you see the incidence of psychotic episodes go up yes. and that's yes. where you see and that's where you see addiction to cannabis if you're needing to use it so much that you're having to light it up a wax uh, that's addiction. My daughter's right. in recovery now, cannabis. She's nine months in, really deep in the program, doing great. Yeah. Yay. And and she is enlightened me a little bit about she's very clear about what, you know, when, what that line is, you know, and she sees people now. And she was one of these people that was, you know, doing the ridiculous buy-in on the, what, what do they call it, sort of, Oh, they have a whole name for it. So the, it's, it's very much like harm avoidance. It's like a harm where I'm using, uh, you know, they, they rationalize everything. That's part of drug addiction, right? That's part of work. Right. Justify, rationalize, minimize, distort, obfuscate. That's the process of denial. And uh, she said that is really a big deal right now where people are using these uh, strategies to justify what they're doing, but that the concentrations are so profound that people are getting into trouble and having to do something about it. And you've had Sam Cronona's on, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Sam always says that, you know, what it's the Wild West, and this is LSD quality uh, yeah. marijuana. Yeah, yeah. And that the reason why, you know, this this state-by-state uh, uh, legalization of either recreational, or I use air quotes to say medicinal marijuana, because it's not really, it's not doctors who are writing prescriptions for people for marijuana. There also, as Art always points out, there's no end goal to get you off of it, but it certainly does get lend some credence to the fact that marijuana is helpful, right? Like, because you're like, well, I'm using it medicinally. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. had 24, 23 year old kids who hurt their back skateboarding you know, it doesn't matter. Got to got, have anxiety. We have yeah. anxiety because you're smoking weed all the time. You're, right. you're doing LSD every day when you wake up at lunch and then after work. Like, of course, you're it's well, what, it's, what I don't like about the the medicalization of marijuana is not that it can't be used as a medical product. Right. It, it, of course, can. It's shitty practice of medicine. 
They're like you said, they, they don't ask, have you ever been addicted to anything? Is there addiction in your family? How many hallucinogens are you doing every day? What other drugs are you doing? They don't even ask those questions. They just, oh, your problem is you have a cannabis deficiency. So let me write your prescription. That's terrible medicine. That's what I'm offended by. Not the prescribing, the horrible practice of, of medicine. Yeah, I, I was yeah. originally for the medical uh, marijuana until I actually saw it implemented in real life. Well, it, again, it's it's not that it can't be done. It's that it's not being done well, not being done properly. Uh, and and I, I have taken the position, and this is just a philosophical position, that as a physician, my job is not to determine what, the law should or the land should be. That is not my job. Mm-hmm. I have to deal with what the people determine to be the law of the land. Would I prefer there to be some sort of Damocles I could yield to help people get better? Of course, of course I would. But if you're going to make it legal, I'll deal with that. So I, I just sort of say, stay agnostic. So I'm not in that mess. And the medicalization in California, I can tell you for sure, was just a political maneuver to get get it all the way yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. And again, yeah. it's bad yeah. medicine. Using medicine inappropriately, you know, in a horrible practice of medicine to carry out a political agenda. And that is disgusting to me, but whatever. But I don't think that if you release someone from treatment or the message in treatment is that the use of marijuana is okay. No, you um, can't look, you can't you no. you can't use alcohol, you can't smoke weed, you can't Absolutely. use my substances. If you if you are given something, anything that affects your anything in your brain, talk to your sponsor and probably your sponsor is going to say, don't do that. No matter what it is, whether it's a Xanax, whether it's, you know, made by Pfizer or Upjohn or, you know, it's something grown naturally. I don't give a shit where it comes from. If it has that effect on the brain, it's it's not going to anything that triggers the ventral tegmental put input to the shell of the nucleus accumbens in people that have awakened this genetic potential we call addiction will reawaken the disease process period end right so true yeah yep. so i think that's where everybody just decided to focus that the drug there's a drug that will now help you get off the drugs that we allowed because the federal government it's been going was- on katie for a hundred years a hundred <laughs> years and my favorite dramatic rendition of this was in the tv series the nick have you ever seen the nick you uh-uh. guys would love it oh my god okay. you got to look it up on hulu or wherever you can find it it's a it's a series starring clive owen about a surgeon in a hospital in new york at the turn of the 20th century and he is this, you know, maniac, uh, you know, uh, making, you know, developing his own instruments and operating on people that would otherwise die. And, you know, at 100% fatality, and he'd get a 5%, 95% fatality. That was a major advance. You know, 5% of the people would survive when before it was 100% fatality. So he's this swashbuckling surgeon, develops a cocaine problem, an opiate problem across okay. the season. It's fa- they do it exquisitely accurately. It's fantastic. And um, at the end, he is taken, he loses, he gets manic, he loses it, and he's taken to a treatment center. And at the treatment center, there's a doctor there using language the three of us are very familiar with. Yes, we now know this is a disease. We understand it much better now. This is, you know, 1904. And he goes, um, you know, and we, and you're in a psychotic state from the drugs you've been doing. This isn't your fault. This is a process. We understand it. And we have something will make you feel so much better. You're going to feel so much better and we'll stop this process entirely. So let me just inject, inject some intravenously with this product. And you just see Clive, I just lie back in bed. Like, Oh, he went from manic to like, Oh yeah. my God, such a relief. 
and they pull back on the bottle that's at the bedside that they heroin heroin they gave him heroin which is exactly what they used to do they used to use heroin to treat alcoholism morphine to treat alcoholism heroin to treat morphine addiction morphine to treat uh, cocaine addiction The, the doctors who don't understand addiction have been looking for the holy grail of the yes. pharmacological treatment for yes. addiction yes. for eternity. It's been going on forever, and it's a fool's errand. Now, they have come up with a decent half measure with the so-called kappa opioid system, which is the Suboxone. I, I am not condemning Suboxone. It is very helpful. Right. There are people that have used it to in the, whose lives have been saved by it. I, I, I'm not saying that. It's the universal application in all circumstances. And then thinking you're done at that point. That's what I take issue with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a, a big one in the federal government. It sort of still is. And almost, uh, uh, they feel like they found the holy grail with it. And uh, I try to paint the reality of how, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, how valuable it can be. But in reality, uh, they don't seem to understand the actual na- uh, nature of the disease, the addiction. So like if you give somebody the Suboxone, you, you really haven't, you got to be careful because really you could just be enabling use. The, the ones yeah. that I've talked yeah, yeah, to, yeah. I mean, they'll run out and get meth. They just got their Suboxone taken care of. For yeah, free or whatever. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's the craziness. One of the, one of the craziness about the people that are the addiction experts that survive Suboxone, they only test for opioids. When they, the patient comes in, they test them for other opiates and Suboxone. They don't test them for all the other drugs the patient is doing. They just and don't even know, test. And you know, by the time somebody develops a severe uh, sort of opioid addiction, yeah. they probably went through a whole uh, multitude of different substances. Oh. And actually, you know what I mean? So they could probably meet sub- severe substance use disorder for about four or five different other substances. Yes, yes, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. All right, so you and I, so where do we go from here, guys? We, 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 I'm okay. getting, I'm getting so upset. Talk about what's that? You want to what? I said I'm getting upset. I'm getting upset. I don't want oh, our audience. Yeah, I want, I want, we need I want, to keep you upset because want, we have to change the world. We have well, got to. So one thing I was just thinking is your listeners like have to understand that treatment is really the only antidote to addiction in terms of you know no one is too sick to recover. Well, I guess you kind of think that that might actually we might be entering a realm where that's not no, true. No, 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 no. I, I, even those people, I, I, I don't see any other way to get them to survive than replacement. Once on replacement, if you do the work, you can get them right. into treatment. But yeah, it, it, some of them, not all of them, there's stuff on the streets that are just just gone. But you never know. You don't know till you stabilize them, right? There may be people that look like they're totally irretrievable that turn out to be kind of clear and they get okay and they get some motivation once their brains start works, working again. But go ahead, I interrupted well, you. I was going to say for people... You know, and we've actually just been involved in a couple of interventions in the last six months, you know, just some people who needed help and are stepped in and and I helped logistically organize some things. And and um, it was an incredible reminder that, you know, first of all, how sick people can be, how Mm. there's no socioeconomic, Mm. there's just it knows no demographic. Mm -hmm. It can Mm -hmm. hit anybody and mm-hmm. that number three, um, in talking, I just did a podcast with Ty Beschel and and a great guy, sober, has written a few books, is does his little pot and does a podcast. 
he um and 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 talking to him because he was actually a drug court client, mm. not mine, but mm-hmm. he was in a drug court that ultimately led to his sobriety after many, many, many treatments. And so it was really interesting to see kind of both sides of that. But you know, everybody can get help, but it's it's work. And I always try to remind people, you know, if you had cancer, you wouldn't hesitate, right? You would go and you would say, okay, what do I do? And you would get this kind of diagnosis from the doctor and a plan and a team. That's exactly what addiction treatment is. And it it doesn't happen in a month. It doesn't happen in 20 days. Skills have to be rebuilt and it takes a lot of work and commitment and family and friends who have been involved in the disease, they need help too in order to support that person. And as a big member of Al-Anon, I mean, I'm what, 24 years sober and probably 15 of the years I committed to Al-Anon as well. I can't tell you what a crucial piece that is mm-hmm. to, to, deal with, uh, to deal with families and that those resources are out there. But do the work, stand up and have the miracle and, and a real life. I mean, I and, think and, that's. And to keep the cancer metaphor going, A, you wouldn't expect to be cured of your cancer in three weeks or four weeks or eight weeks. You, you, you'd expect ongoing care, number one. Right. And number two, and this is something you should use, Katie, is that the prognosis, the probability of dying of an opioid use disorder is significantly worse, more likely to die of opioid use disorder than the significant majority of cancers. Oh. You are much more likely to be cured of cancer than opioid use disorder. Oh uh, yeah, it's a terrible prognosis and people don't get that. It ends in death. It ends in death. It doesn't end just in disability and it and opioid use disorder goes to demise. And it's terrible. And it's, and it's, it's more likely than the majority of cancers. So you and I wanted to talk act about accordingly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So no, I just want to be encouraging, actually, because you said that you're getting mad and a little, you know, you get overwhelmed when you hear the yeah. problem, but there yeah. is a solution, which is exactly what we're trying to push. Prevention, I wanted to talk about just super quickly, um, only because this you know, keeping drugs in your house is not a good idea. We've had these, the history, it's great program. It's called drug take back day. I hope people, you know, it's really great. Your police officers go out and, you know, they collect your old pills. I think they hold it now twice a year. It's a really terrific day. You cannot have drugs in your house and wait for drug take back day. You know, if you're an older person, you have grandkids coming in. I mean, you can't you you have to get rid of them. Police departments need a way to get rid of them. And um, so the our, one of our big sponsors is Deterra Systems and they have a drug disposal bag. And oh. it's amazing. It literally um, it literally biodegrades entirely the uh, narcotic. And so and then. There's other bags that are out there that actually leave a nugget of, um, of the narcotic. Mm-hmm. And so when, like when an addict knows that there's going to be a big dump or that the police have just done a big take back and they use the, the other, the, you know, other products, they dumpster dive and they grab enough of the bags and they can get high, right? Jeez. This is a complete eradication of the narcotics with this drug. And it is in totally environmentally, 
safe. So there's no waste product from it. It is a totally biodegradable system. Sounds, sounds great. And I would add one more thing to that, that to acting accordingly and using doTERRA would be your kids see how you treat these products and you need to treat oh. them like they are dangerous things that need to be destroyed. Or, or if they just things that sit on the shelf in your cabinet year well, in and year sit out. They on the shelf for a period of time. The people, yeah. I, I, you know, I was famous for going and stealing them right away. <laughs> Everybody I hung out with knew when somebody in their family brought in the, uh, right. the medication. I've been telling you about emergency medical flights and that the fact that comprehensive coverage doesn't cover it all necessarily. You can get deductibles, co-pays, protect your family and your finances with an Air Medicare Network membership. If an emergency arises as a member, the expense of an Air Medical Transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Memberships cost as little as $85 a year, covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That is just pennies a day. We all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. For a limited time, as a Dr. Drew listener, you'll get up to a $75 e-gift card when you join. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use that offer code Drew. Right. Or were you the kind of addict that would steal someone's wallet and then help them look for it? Yeah. Were you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is always my favorite. Yeah. Game. My favorite. I have a lot of yeah. friends are recovering. Yeah, let me help you look for it. That's a bummer, dude. Maybe I'll help you. Let's, let's <laughs> I, I have so many recovering friends that 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 fits their profile. I don't know what it is. My affection for people that were that kind of addict—it's pretty common. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, all right, we got to wrap this thing up. One last thing I wanted to mention. Also, you mentioned the drug courts. I wish there was uniform drug court policy out throughout the country in terms of because I'm often saying, you know, hey, the families go, what do I do? I go get them arrested and then find a intelligent, enlightened judge to mandate treatment. But that isn't always possible. And I wish no. we had some sort of wish we had some sort of universal policy around that. I tried when I was running the grants program at the Department of Justice. As you know, you and I talked, uh, Chris Humphrey, Dr. Humphreys and I, great. Dr. Kelly and I spoke about it. These are the guys that run Stanford and Harvard. Great guys. Yeah, amazing. And you were such a, you were my first big help with with thinking about how to uh, condition the grants. What was most shocking, it wasn't shocking by then, but what's Mm. surprising, might be surprising to your listeners uh, it was to me in the beginning is that most of the 75 to $80 million that is granted toward drug courts goes to bureaucracy. So it goes to the state in order to oversee. And then it goes to getting drug court coordinators and different bureaucracy. I actually shifted grants for two years so that it went to treatment okay. and it went to paying for um, actually drug tests. Drug right. testing. So things that actually helped clients get sober. Yeah, testing. So. We, didn't, we didn't even get into that. It's a whole other topic you, we've never really yeah. ch- touched. But, but it's, you'll have to come to the event in Florida to, and you can ask me about it. <laughs> October Katie. 7th, Palm Beach, recoveryforamericanow.org. Please donate. It's all it's all happening, everybody. Be part of the miracle. And people come to me all the time like, okay, I'm ready for treatment. I don't have any money. It's like... Ugh. It's, it's, it's hard to find resources, and you guys are building those, and I really, really, really appreciate it. So Thank you for all you've done. All right. That's just, we that's love great. you. You know that. We love I, Susan, we, too. 
we love you too. And you're doing God's work and it's right in my wheelhouse. It's right. The stuff I love. And, you know, we, we do a lot of singing to the choir towards one another and which is fun, which is great. I know. It's, it's great. So, to uh, have people we'll see that... you in Florida. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, it's recovery for America now. And is it recovery for America.org or recovery for America now.org? Now.org. Recovery for, for America now. Now.org. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right, guys. Uh, I'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, for coming time and topics, follow the show bye on Twitter bye. at bye Dr. Bye. Drew Podcast. That's D R D R E W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Ishmael Bea, who at the age of 13 was forced to become a child soldier. The first day that we went to war, I think it was the most terrifying thing that ever happened to me just on the way there. There was an ambush and then we started exchanging fire and there was a kid that when we were training had looked up to me, he was next to me and there was an explosion and his body flew and he was scared. There was blood all over my face and everything and I just lost it. And I started shooting, shooting to kill. When you go and take out another life and dehumanize it, in reverse, you dehumanize yourself, your own spirit, your own being. And it takes a lot of undoing. I was once a kid who loved hip hop, run DMC, LL Cool J, learned Shakespeare, wanted to be an economist. And then I became a soldier. To hear about life in a war zone where he fought for three years before being rescued by UNICEF, check out episode 622 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. All this month, celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month with Pluto TV. Watch movies with the biggest stars like Eugenio Derbez in No Eres Tu, Soy Yo, and Luis Gerardo Mendez in Camino a Marte. Plus, Pluto TV has thousands more movies and TV shows and over 45 channels in Spanish, all for free. So download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming today. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.